Thank you for listening to the Rivers Church podcast with Pastor Andre and the Rivers team. Be sure to subscribe for a weekly dose of encouragement and inspiration to help your daily life. We pray that this message will help in whatever season of life you might be in. Well, like Pastor Andre said, my name's Chris and I take care of youth. And uh, taking care of youth means you learn a lot of slang. And there's some weird slang terms that I've heard, like throwing shade and fax, like a fax machine. Uh, But one of the most interesting I've heard is the word slay. It's uh, Beyonce says it means to do something really, really well. And um, that word's a really interesting word because when I hear that word, I don't think of that. I actually think of the actual meaning, which means to properly kill something. That's what it says in the dictionary, to properly and violently kill something. And today as we go into the message, I want you to uh, remember that word slay. And to look at that, I just need to draw your attention to a particular insect that we have here in South Africa. And that insect is the parktown prawn. And don't worry, I'm not going to bring a picture up because that would freak me out, it would freak you out, um, unless you like parktown prawns, that's okay too. But a parktown prawn is not actually a prawn, it's a giant or a king cricket. Many of us in Joburg would know of the parktown prawn. In fact, it's named parktown prawns because there was an outbreak of parktown prawns in the area of parktown, hence the name. And the thing about parktown prawns that freak me out, you see, I'm not an insect person. I don't like spiders, I don't like flies, I don't like any insects. But when it comes to a parktown prawn, they freak me out because they just don't die. And if you are one of those people who are like catch and release, that's cool. Uh, but for me, when there's a parktown prawn in my house, I think I just want to get, get rid of it as quick as possible and I don't want it to come back. And the reason that they don't die is because they've got extremely hard exoskeletons, which means they're hard to squash. Uh, most insect repellents and insect killers don't work on uh, parktown prawns. So, uh, and they also know how to play dead. They'll often pretend to be dead and will flush down the toilet. And then there's those same parktown prawns can actually climb back up the toilet, climb to, through the drains. So they're really, really freaky. And uh, apparently the best way to kill a parktown prawn is to make sure you remove its head from its body. Gross, I know. But today we're going to take a look at that principle in the story of David and Goliath. Or rather, not a story, a scripture, because it's a historical event of something that happened that's found in 1 Samuel 17. You see, if you're not familiar with church, you might be familiar with this story. People love the story of the underdog who defeats the giant. That's why we watch all these sporting movies, movies like Rocky, where we can see it happen. But you see, the story of David and Goliath is an interesting one. It starts, the context is this, is the Philistines are on one end of the valley, the Israelites on the other. They are two opposing nations. And Goliath, the champion from the Philistines, comes out and he says, send me your champion. I'll fight them. If you win, you rule over us. But if I win, we rule over you. Goliath was no ordinary man. He was a giant. He was massive. In fact, the Bible tells us that his armor weighed, just his armor, not his sword, not his javelin, not his spear, just his armor weighed 40 kgs. The dude never missed leg day. He was intimidating. And the Israelites would have seen this and he would have spoken to the king who was Saul at the time. And Saul went to his men, okay, who's going to fight? And then there was that awkward silence. And the one guy says, you know, King, I would fight, but I just looked and, you know, there's a curfew and I've got a long way to go home and I don't want to break the curfew. So I need to make sure that I get home in time. Somebody else was like, I'll fight, except I just got a notification on my app. We're on stage four of load shedding. I need to make sure that I get home and make sure my family's okay. And as the days went on, 30 days passed, 40 days passed, nobody is fighting Goliath. In fact, he, every day Goliath comes down and he hurls these insults at the Israelites. This is where David enters the story. David, the little shepherd boy, he, he's not even there to fight the battle. In fact, he's just a Uber Eats delivery guy at this point. 
He's bringing some cheese from his dad to his brothers and he delivers it. He sees this happening and he starts saying, what's going on? And he inquires of his brothers and the people around him. And eventually he gets the context of what's happening. And he's like, why is nobody fighting him? Surely God will win the battle for us. And he goes to King Saul and he says, I'll go fight. To which King Saul says, no, you're too young. You, you're inexperienced. I don't think you should go and do this. And David persists. So then King Saul says, fine, let me give you my armor so that you can go fight. David puts on the armor and he says, nah, this is not, this is not for me. It's going to hold me back. And he takes off the armor. And instead of using the weapons that you would use for war, he goes to fight this giant, Goliath, the champion of Philistine, with just a slingshot, some stones and a piece and a wooden stick. He gets to Goliath. Goliath sees him and he says, Am I a dog that you want to play fetch that you've come with a stick to come and attack me? But as we all know, or as some of us might know, the story ends with this. Goliath charges towards David. David charges towards Goliath. He takes his slingshot. He hits Goliath in the forehead and Goliath is overcome. Well, that's where we often end the story, but that's not how the story ends. You see, 1 Samuel 17 verse 50 goes on to say this. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone and struck the Philistine and killed him. There was no sword in the hand of David. Then David ran and stood over the Philistine and took his sword and drew it out of its sheath and killed him and cut off his head with it. You see, David wasn't taking any chances. He was making sure that Goliath was slayed. And so often in our lives, do we do the same? God's called us to slay certain, certain things in our lives. And what we can sometimes do is we can subdue them, but never slay them. And if we don't slay them, they can always come back. And sometimes the consequences are even worse. We need to make sure that as we go through life, we slay what God has called us to slay and we don't just stop at subduing. Because when we do, God will use our lives. You see, what we need to remember about King David or David at the time was when he killed Goliath, he didn't just triumph over a giant. He inspired a nation and he changed his family into a family of royalty. You see, the nation were inspired because they chased after the Philistines. His family became the family of royalty because he marries one of Saul's daughters. And you know, in our lives, when we slay what God's called us to slay, the same thing happens. Not only do we overcome the challenges and the giants that we might face, but we'll also inspire a nation and change our family for the better. So today, in the words of Beyonce, the message title is simply this, Slay. We're going to look at how we can slay, what it is we need to slay, and how we can use the principles that David used today in our life. And speaking of slaying, there are many areas in our lives that we might need to slay. Uh, I don't know what it is for you personally and there's different areas for different people, but do you know who knows what areas we need to slay is God? So I'd encourage each one of us to take some time in the week, whether as a family, whether as an individual, and spend some time with God and say, God, what can I slay in my life? What are the areas you have called me to slay? And as we spend time with God, as we delve into God's word, as we, as we open up our hearts and our lives to God, we'll trust Him to show us the areas. And today what we're going to do is we're going to look at how we can stay from the life of David. The first point, the first thing we need to do is we need to be prepared. Now, when you hear be prepared, you might say, oh, David went down to war and he was prepared. Or if you have been to church, you know, you say, oh, David was prepared. He fought the lion and the bear. And well, that's not incorrect. That's what I want to focus on today. You see, so often when we hear the, the story and we see that David used a slingshot, we flash back to the, the TV show and the movie Dennis the Menace. If you don't know who Dennis the Menace is, you didn't have a great childhood, okay? Dennis the Menace, he had that little Y-shaped slingshot and he would pull it back and he'd let it go. 
And that's often what we think the slingshot that David used was. In fact, I remember having a children's Bible that had a picture of that kind of a slingshot. And that's not true. You see, the slingshot that David used was actually military grade. You see, the slingshot had two pieces of string, rope, and then you would put the projectile, be a rock or whatever you could find, and you would swing it like this and you'd let one cord go. And as you let the one cord go, you would fire the projectile. That projectile wouldn't just go like a couple meters, it could travel up to 180 meters in the skilled hand of somebody who, who would use a slingshot. It could even go up to the speeds of about 120 kilometers an hour, some scientists say. That's why it says in 1 Chronicles 12, describing David's mighty men, all of them were expert archers and they could shoot arrows or sling stones with their left hand as well as their right. They were all relatives of Saul from the tribe of Benjamin. You see, Judges goes on to give us more, more insight into how skilled they were with slingshots. Amongst all these soldiers, there were 700 select troops who were left-handed, each of whom could sling a stone at a hair and not miss. You see, not only were they accurate, but they were deadly. It was part of their fighting, it was part of the artillery that they would fight their wars with, which means that David, when he gets to the battle, when he sees it happening, David had prepared himself for war because he knew how to use a slingshot. The question we have to ask ourselves are, are we prepared for war and do we know how to use the weapons God has given us in our lives to overcome the battles? You see, David, when he got to the battle, he didn't know that he was going to fight that day. He was just dropping off cheese, like I said. And what we've got to realize is we don't always know when we're going to have to fight the battle, but it shouldn't stop us from training our lives so that we can be ready. We need to make sure that we train up our lives little by little by reading God's word, by stirring our faith, by trusting God in all areas so that we will be ready for the battles that we might have to face. And you see David's training, it happened in his everyday faithfulness with the big and the small. And are we faithful in our everyday, at home when no one's looking, in the office when no one's looking? Are we being faithful to God? Are we being faithful to the company that employs us? Are we being faithful in our marriage and to our family? We need to make sure that we are always being faithful because God will use it to prepare our lives. Not only do we, need, do we need to be prepared, but we also need to be prepared to act. Never forget that David was sitting with an army full of people. The whole army were trained soldiers. They knew exactly what to do, yet none of them decided to act. In fact, in the scripture we read about the sling throwers, it says, that, it says from the tribe of Benjamin. Did you know that Saul was from the tribe of Benjamin? Which means if anybody knew how to use a sling, Saul would probably know better than David. He was better equipped. He had the ability with him, but God used the one who was prepared, the one who was humble and the one who was willing to trust God. I think so often in life we think it's God or me. God's going to do this or I'm going to do this. Actually, it's not that way. It's God and me. The story of David and Goliath show that. The whole Old Testament show that. You know, God would, God would say to the children of Israel, I've given this nation to you, but they still had to go to war. We still have to act, even if we think we might miss. You know, David, he took five stones, the Bible tells us, five smooth stones. Some scholars think that it's because Goliath had four brothers. One, two, three, four, and Goliath makes five. Therefore, he had a stone for each brother. I don't know that that's true. You see, David did not have Instagram. He couldn't pop on Instagram, go to at Goliath the Giant's profile and say, oh, the strongest of five brothers. Maybe he had heard rumors. You see, what I think is that what David did was he said, you know what? I'm gonna take five stones in case I miss with one. Now, when we hear that, we're like, it means he didn't trust God. No, no. He trusted God that he would win, but he knew that there were limits to his own ability. So instead of being underprepared, David went overprepared. So that if he missed with one stone, he still had four 
more. And in our lives, it's okay if we're not sure about ourselves, even if we don't know if our own ability will be enough. But when we are willing to step in, when we're prepared to act, God will step in. You see, we can be unsure about our own strength and our own ability, but we should never doubt God's strength and God's ability to overcome in our lives. That's the first thing that we can do if we want to slay the things in our lives, the addictions, the sin in our life, the things that we are facing in our lives. The second thing is this, is we need to use what is in your hand. You see, in our lives, in our, in our own lives, God's given us something, each one of us something specific. And David had used what was in his hands to previously fight battles. Uh, when Saul says, how are you going to fight this giant? He said, well, when the lion and the bear, when it came to attack me, I would find the lion and I would chase after him and I'd grab the, the little lamb or the sheep that was under my care. And if the lion turned to attack me, I would club it with my staff. I would use the club and I would hit it. I've been to the lion park. I've watched the, the, the lion documentaries. Do you know what I'm not going to do if a lion takes the lamb? I'm not chasing after the lamb. I'd say, you know what? We can have mutton curry another day. What we are going to do today is we're going to preserve our life. But you see, David used what was in his hand, in the faithfulness when nobody saw it, when nobody, there was no Instagram post that he could post, look how great I am, I, I killed a lion and I killed a bear. But instead what he did was he was faithful what was in his hand. And what was in his hand, it was just a little stick, it was a shepherd stick. And that same shepherd stick that he used uh, to kill the lion and the bear is what he uses to fight Goliath. Take a look what it says in 1 Samuel 17 verse 40. Then he took his staff in his hand and chose five smooth stones from the brook and put them in his shepherd's pouch. His sling was in his hand and he approached the Philistine. You know what's pretty amazing? He was faithful what was in his hand. Do you know what's something that's in all of our hands? In fact, the staff represents this. It showed you what David did for a living. It was his work. I wonder if we're faithful in our work. Whatever our job might be, are we faithful? Do we step in? You know, we might be facing a, the giant of a financial insecurity. We might be facing the giant of credit card debt. We might be facing many giants, but are we faithful with what we have? You see, just like David, when we're faithful, what's in our hand, God will begin to use those moments to develop something in our life. It's pretty interesting that David would go to battle with the staff and the pouch. In fact, it's almost a picture here that I think is so beautiful is that as David steps into the battle in his one hand, he has his staff. This is his previous victories. He would have used that staff to fight the lion and the bear. But isn't it quite interesting that the pouch that he had, you see a shepherd's pouch was normally used to carry food and sustenance for the day. But instead the shepherd's pouch that day was used to carry the ammunition, which means that when we're faithful with what's in our hand, we have, it carries the ammunition for our next victory. And so often we can overlook what we're doing. It feels menial. It feels simple. It feels even if we're at school and we have to do well. Remember the Bible teaches us that we should do everything as worship to God. And when we're faithful with what's in our hands, when we use what's in our hands, God gives us the victory. In fact, God does this again for David. You see, David kills Goliath with the sword ultimately and cuts his head off. And then when David is fighting his next battle, his next challenge that he fights when he has to go against King Saul because King Saul is chasing after him, guess what weapon he uses? He goes to the priest and he says, listen, I forgot to bring a sword. And the priest gives him Goliath's sword to protect him from Saul's pursuit. You see, we have to be faithful with what's in our hand because God will use it for our next. God will use it to help us slay the things we need to slay in our lives. The first thing we need to do is we need to be prepared. The second thing is we need to use what's in our hands. And the third thing is this, is we need to have a game plan. 
You see, what's happening is David comes towards Goliath and Goliath and him are just like, they're throwing down. They're talking smack to each other. Goliath saying one thing, David saying another thing. And then Goliath says, I'm gonna feed you to the birds of the air. David's final statement to Goliath is this. He says, you come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. I love verse 46. This day, the Lord will deliver you into my hand and I will strike you down and cut off your head. David went to the battle with Goliath. He told him exactly what he was gonna do. And David strikes Goliath down with a stone. He cuts, his, he cuts Goliath's head off with his own sword. You see, David had a plan of action. Many of us know what it is in our lives that we need to say. And my question is, do we have a game plan? Do we have a plan of action? If we're struggling with debt and finances, do we have a budget? If we have an addiction in our lives, is there a level of accountability in our lives to prevent us from doing it? If there's sin in our lives, do we say, hey, I've got a truth plan of action based on God's word because God's word is the truth. And the thing is our game plan doesn't have to be based on human logic. In fact, our game plan should come from above. It should be based on divine wisdom. That's what it was for David. You see, David, when he went to fight Goliath, what you've got to understand is this was a common war practice. There would be one nation on one side, another nation on the other side. You'd fight in the valley. In fact, in life, most of us, we find that when we're fighting, we end up in the valley of our lives is where the fight happens. And as they're in the valley, as they're about to fight each other, Goliath is a combat champion. His armor, his weaponry, everything that he has, like I said, the, the 40 kgs plus of armor that he had shows that he was ready for close combat. When David's about to go to battle, that's why Saul wants to put armor on because this is what you're supposed to do. But then David says something interesting. He says, this hasn't been tested and this isn't for me. I'm not gonna do what you say. I'm gonna do what God says. And when he runs to go fight Goliath with no armor on and with a staff in his one hand and the sling in his other, what David is doing, he's relying on God's godly wisdom because Goliath was not expecting a slingshot. He was expecting a sword fight. But as he steps to fight Goliath and he catches him by surprise, as he uses the wisdom from above, that's how he was able to slay the giant. In our lives, do we use the wisdom from above? Or do we just say, hey, that's just the way it is. That's how marriage is. That's what the schooling system's like. That's how you do business. You scratch my back, I'll scratch your back. Or do we say, actually, I'm not gonna take a bribe. My, I'm not gonna do what everybody else says. I'm not gonna put that armor on me because that's what popular culture says. Instead, I'm gonna step up and step into God's way of thinking and God's plan. You see, sometimes what that means is it puts us at greater risk. David was more exposed, but when we trust God, when we're vulnerable with God, we end up bringing a gun to a knife fight just like David did. You know, the next thing we need to do is we need to also not just have an action plan, but we need to be willing to follow through. We have that game plan, but we follow through on that game plan. David didn't just say, you know what? Goliath looks like he's dead. There's no need to use the sword anymore. Uh-uh. David said, here's what I'm gonna do, is I'm gonna take the sword, I'm gonna do what I said that I was gonna do because I'm a someone who follows through. As Christians, are we people who follow through as we fight battles? Are we people who follow through in general? If you say something's gonna be done on time, is it done on time? If you say I'm gonna be at a certain place, are you at that certain place? If you promise a certain level of service as a business or as, a, as an employer or an employee, do we do what we say we're gonna do? You see, so often in life, we don't follow through on those things. And it's those little things, those little practical things that speak to the character in our lives. In fact, many of us, myself included, numerous times would have started a diet. Started being the most important word there. Very few of us end up following through on a diet. So often we start and the first day is great. We complain a lot 
everybody knows you're on a diet, you post about it, and then maybe by day three, you cave in, you have a little chocolate. Maybe it's more than a little chocolate if your name's Chris in the preaching today, just being honest. But you know, what happens in a diet is we often start strong, but we, over time, we, we, we don't follow through. And my brother-in-law, he, he went on a diet once and he saw great results. He was cycling, he was eating healthy. And I got a bit jealous. I'm like, I don't understand. How come this guy can lose weight and I can't? But then when I watched him and I watched what he was doing, I noticed something. I noticed a principle in his life. He wouldn't allow anything. So if he was on a diet and it said no cake, no sugar, even if it was a birthday party, guess what he wasn't having? Cake or sugar. If it is what you're supposed to exercise today, he was exercising today despite how tired he was. And as Christians, we need to be like that about life. There should be no room for allowance in our life. As you try to slay the giant, every time we, we allow allowance in our lives, that's, an, that's a foothold for the enemy to get into. That's a foothold that could catch us. You see, if we're trying to get better with our spending, maybe we shouldn't go to online shopping just because it says one day only or a daily deal and don't miss out. We need to have a plan, but we need to follow through on it. If we're struggling with an addiction online, maybe don't go check our emails in private at 11 o'clock at night. Maybe it's a social media addiction. Maybe you just love the likes and you can't live without your phone. Maybe what we need to do is need to be willing to put it down because allowances can cause us to be overcome. Just ask King Saul, who two chapters earlier than this in 1 Samuel 15 was rejected as king. What's happening is God is giving Saul some instruction. And he says, hey, go and attack the Amalekites. Totally destroy them and all that belongs to them. Devoted to destruction, don't spare anything. But the Bible tells us in verse nine that that's Saul, but Saul and the army, they spared a little bit of things. They actually said, uh, we're gonna keep some of the sheep. We're gonna keep some of the best for ourselves. And they allowed for a few allowances in that, in that moment. And what happens is when God hears this, when God understands this, what he says in verse 11, he says, I regret that I have made Saul king. This is where Saul gets rejected as king amongst some of the other things that he did. But so often in our lives, when we allow for certain things, when we make allowances, it can have dire costs. It could cost us our salvation. You see, what we can do is we can allow for a few moral allowances. And before we know it, we've fallen away from God. We can, we can allow for a few priority allowances and what ends up happening is our marriage gets affected. We can allow for a few addiction allowances. I know I've been so good. I think I can just, just one more until it costs us our family. As we allow certain things in our convictions, we can lose sight of our purpose and the truth. In order for us to, to follow through, we need to not allow for allowances, but we also need to be willing to hold back and restrict some things. Psalm 119 verse 101 says this, I hold back my feet from every evil way in order to keep your word. That word hold back means to restrain. And there's some things in our lives that we need to restrain in order for us to step into what God has. And could I just point out, sometimes the things we need to slay, the addictions we have, they don't always come across as dirty. Sometimes the things we need to restrict are screen time. Maybe we're spending too much time on Netflix. Maybe we need to be able to press pause on Netflix or, or suspend it. Maybe we can't live without our phones. Maybe we need to put our phones down and restrict certain things in our lives so that we can step up and we can slay the things that God has called us to slay. I trust that this is helping you. So we first need to prepare. Then we need to be faithful with what's in our hand. Then we need to have a game plan. Then we need to follow through on that game plan. And this is our last point for today, but we need to learn from COVID-19. 
I know that it might sound a bit weird, but as we have gone through this pandemic, what I've noticed is that we can take some lessons from it. It hasn't been good and many of us, myself included, have lost people, but we should be able to learn from what's happening around us. So I'm gonna take, take a look at three things that people keep telling us that we should apply in our lives. And if we apply this, it's kind of what David did in the fashion. And we need to learn to listen to the expert. Notice how I didn't say listen to the experts because there's always experts, but we need to listen to the expert. And that is God and His Word. We don't need to listen to the loudest voices or the people with the most followers or the most popular hashtags. Instead, what we need to do is need to go to God and His Word because God has the authority on life and death. Everything that we might face is found in His book. That's why it says 2 Timothy 3 verse 16. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. You see, that's what happens when we listen to the expert. God will show us, you know, help correct what is wrong in our life. He doesn't just point it out, but He shows us how to fix it when we read the Bible. He also teaches us to do what is right. But more than that, He shows us what the truth is. To the expert God, He doesn't just know what the truth is, but Jesus is the truth. That's why He says in Scripture, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. So if we want to know what the truth is, as Christians, we're not called to live to some truth or find our own truth. We, look, we live by the truth. It will strengthen us and it will help us. You know, listening to the wrong voices and not the expert can have an effect. You know, like Goliath would stand and he would taunt the Israelites day in, day out. And maybe that's why nobody stood up and attacked. It was psychological warfare. You see this in World War II where uh, Tokyo Rose the, was the name given by the Allied troops to uh, English-speaking radio broadcasters. What they would do is they would broadcast Japanese propaganda in the South Pacific in North America with the goal of demoralizing the Allied forces to make their family worry. They would emphasize the difficulties and the military losses. And some of the soldiers, when they heard this at first, it had an effect on them. And one of the soldiers said this, it was interesting and scary at first. But when we realized that it wasn't the truth, because we knew what the truth was, it didn't scare us at all. Maybe that's why David could fight Goliath because he knew what the truth was, that there was a God in heaven who was on his side that has never and would never fail him. And that as he stepped in to fight Goliath, he knew what the truth was. The second thing we can learn from COVID-19 is we need to protect our mouth. You see, that's why we wear face masks. It covers our face, hence the term face masks, but it protects the virus from entering our mouth and our nose. And what's interesting about that is there's a principle that we can apply to our own life. You know, our mouth is closely linked to our throat because they're attached. And uh, in Hebrew, the word for soul is the word nefesh, which means soul, but it also means throat. Because in Hebrew custom, what they believed was when God breathed life into Adam, life began in his throat. And what we need to understand is that in our life, our throat and our soul are linked because our throat is the gateway. We need to protect our soul. It can determine what we say. It also determines what comes into our lives. David, when he first gets to the battle, his brother says, what are you doing there? Don't you have those few sheep that you need to take care of? Do you know what David does? He stops, he turns, and he finds someone else to get the information from. We need to protect what happens and comes into our lives and what we consume. We should never let the news, what we watch on TV, determine our beliefs and our morals. It should always be God and His Word. And it should also protect what comes out of our heart and what comes out of our soul. Because what we say in the tongue lies the power of life and death. And the third thing that we can learn from COVID-19 is we need to be willing to change our lifestyle. 
If you want to slay the things that God's called us to slay, if there are things in our lives that we need to slay, we need to be willing to change our lifestyle. David was not a soldier, but he was willing to step into that because that's what was required. Just like many of us have never worn a face mask before, myself included. I've never had so much hand sanitizer in my life and my hands have aged about 10 years since, I have been, since we started lockdown. The reason I'm telling you this is because we were all willing to adjust our lifestyle to save lives. You know, the best way to change our lifestyle, to, to be willing to change is to do exactly what David did. To fight Goliath, what he had to do is he had to say yes to God. Yes to what God had placed on his life, but yes to trusting him in the circumstance and the situation. We hope you have been blessed and inspired by this message. 